Good evening. Welcome to Celebration Church. Greetings to our, what are you guys giggling about back down there? Troublemakers, the pastors in the front row goofing off. Welcome to our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton. This evening during our session of Lent and uh, a time of reflecting, uh, we started out on uh, Ash Wednesday, just reflecting on our mortality, the fact that we are made from dust and to dust we shall return. And it is wise not to put all one's efforts in things that are temporal. Everything we do on this earth, for the most part, will not last. What we want to do is make sure that we're investing into eternity. Because those things will last for forever. And uh, so you need to get, we need to be careful that we don't get so caught up in this world that we neglect the world which is to come. Well, the whole point of Lent is a time of emphasizing Christian discipline. It's time usually of fasting. Now, this is done in many different ways. Some people literally fast, you know, uh, certain days of the week during Lent. It's their commitment. Some people uh, will fast certain things, you know, giving up snicker bars or whatever, things that you don't think really are all that big a deal. But it's a big deal to them because they like these things. And trust me, you find something your body likes and you tell it no, it will yell back at you. I need it, I need it, I need it. All right? It's like fasting. I hate fasting. I've always hated fasting because it's not fun. And I don't like things that are not fun, but you got to do it. And when I start fasting, my body just screaming bloody murder. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're gonna... And it's only been 20 minutes since my last meal. You know, I mean, it doesn't take long before my body starts freaking out because it wants what it wants when it wants it. But part of the Christian experience is to control ourselves intentionally, all right, and to live what is called a disciplined life, where you make yourself do certain things. Now, this really has been a, a point of contention uh, for throughout the last 2,000 years, depending on what theological side of the bed you get out of in the morning. Some people will argue that, no, it shouldn't matter what we do at all, because everything is by grace. Uh, but then others, you know, as James wrote, well, how do you even know you have grace and faith working in your life if you don't do the right things? So the two work together. We do not save ourselves by doing good. This is absolutely clear. You can't earn it. It is the gift of God. Without question, salvation is an absolute gift given to those who come and just ask God for forgiveness and ask him to come to his life. He will forgive you. It's a gift from God. What a lot of people make the mistake is they think, well, that's kind of it. That wraps it all up. Hallelujah. Now I can do whatever I want to do. No, you cannot do whatever you want to do. Uh, there are still rules that we need to live by. There are certain disciplines that we need to employ into our lives. Now, without question, we do not live by the Old Testament law, the law of Moses which is extremely odious and heavy to deal with. But make no mistake, even though we're free from that, we still are obligated uh, to live in a certain way. And some of those things are fulfilled. For example, technically speaking, this might shock some of you guys, but why not start freaking people out? Uh, you know, everybody's so into the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments. We believe in the Ten Commandments. The truth is, according to the New Testament, we don't actually live by the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are, in fact, part of the law of Moses, which we are not obligated to live by anymore. Uh, 
But now we live by what the Bible calls the law of love. And much of the Old Testament law, particularly the Ten Commandments, is fulfilled in the law of love. For example, if you love your neighbor, you don't generally kill him. All right? If you love your neighbor, you don't steal from him. You, know, you see what I'm saying? A lot of these things are already nailed, you know, but people who get real intense, we got to obey the Ten Commandments. Not really. There's parts of the Ten Commandments that, for example, the Sabbath, you know, literally it means Saturday. You don't have to do anything, no physical work on Saturday. How come Christians don't pay attention to that? Because actually we don't live by the law of Moses. We switch it to Sunday <laughs> for a while and then most people don't even pay attention to that. Uh, but the New Testament is pretty clear in Paul's writing that the Sabbath is of little concern to us today, walking in grace. It is what it is. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt make unto thee no graven image. Well, if you've got a cross around your neck, you know, that's a violation of that commandment. Okay, you're not supposed to make a graven image. Uh, if you've got a little lawn gnome, <laughs> why you have that ugly thing, I have no idea. But that's a violation. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, so always be careful that you don't get too crazy about the Old Testament stuff. And I promise you, from time to time, people will come back and there's always waves of something that seems to sweep through Christianity every so many years. It's been a while. I think we're due. Don't you? I think we're about due for a little sign of craziness in the Christian community about something about the law. You know, it's going to either be the Sabbath or it's going to be something. Who knows what it's going to be? Uh, and the thing is, no, we don't live by the Old Testament law, but that's not to mean we are lawless in, this, in the sense that we have no rules. Of course, there are rules. It's called basic Christian morality, that the New Testament is very clear. It's not very complicated, just basic stuff. And the fact that if you live by the law of love, you will not do your neighbor any harm. Okay, which pretty much takes care of all the thou shalt nots. Because most of those thou shalt nots are to keep people from doing harm to each other. All right? So now we need to marry this very difficult thing that for some, I don't think it's all that gets difficult, but uh, some people for centuries have fought bitterly. Christians, the Catholics and the Protestants and whoever, 18 million virgins of the Protestants, who've argued whatever degrees of that it is, how much of it's by faith and how much of what you have to do. And we've always had this, this thing going. Uh, but again, it, it's pretty simple, I think, for me to see. Number one, we are saved by grace. You can't earn it. You cannot buy it. It's just the gift of God. Having been redeemed and brought into the kingdom of God, there are certain ways that we should behave. For example, if you adopt a child into your family, there are certain rules that your family, you have to behave by. There are rules in our house. Now, your kids will constantly tell you your rules don't matter because Bobby's mom doesn't enforce those rules. But we don't care what Bobby's mom does or anybody else's mom. We have our own rules in our family, right? Everybody has their rules, their lines, and stuff like that. And if you're going to be a member of this family, you need to abide by the certain rules. And, and as we're part of God's family, then we come in. These rules do not save us, per se. It's the grace of God that saves us. But yet we need to be careful knowing that someday we will all stand before God and have to give an account for the way we lived. And we need to answer to certain rules and stuff. Okay, so now, the whole idea of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is taken from the word discipline. A disciple has certain disciplines that he or she follows. 
Again, it's not the restrictive law of Moses. It's not some pinheaded, you know, legalism, you know, that people are picking at each other over stupid little things. It's just basically we have certain disciplines in our lives. And over these months, months, weeks of Lent, on Wednesday nights, we're going to be sharing with you some of the basic disciplines of the Christian faith that you should be putting in your life. If you lack these disciplines, this is not good for you. And I love Lent because it reminds us to follow these disciplines. You know who it really reminds? Me. (laughs) Because I get to Lent, oh yeah, what are we teaching? Oh yeah, oh man, I got to work on that again. Because we tend to slide away from the disciplines. The good thing about a season of Lent is just to remind ourselves, hey, snap out of it. There are some fundamental things we should be having and doing in our lives if we're going to be true followers of Jesus. Now, in Mark, the eighth chapter, verse 34, uh, Jesus uh, called the crowd to him along with his disciples, the disciplined followers of his, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Now, from a post-Calvary uh, viewpoint, you know, picking up your cross, we understand what that means, okay? You have to understand, to these people, that was really radical. Pick up your cross? That made no sense. They didn't even know that Jesus was going to die on a cross. A cross was just an implement of death. It would be like if Jesus came today and said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself, embrace your electric chair, and follow me. Well, that's very odd. I mean, they all thought it was rather odd. At some point, they couldn't take it anymore. Some of the people turned away from following Jesus because he said things like this that were hard for people to grasp. But this idea, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to deny yourself. One of the nice things about Lent is taking time to intentionally deny yourself. But it's not just limited to Lent. Lent is a good reminder, but we have to remember constantly, there are th- you aren't always supposed to say yes to this. This is not your friend. Your body that totes you around from spot to spot spot, is not your friend. It's the part of you that will get irritable. It's the part of you that'll get impatient. It's the part of you that'll bark at other people. I did that today. I want to tell you the story. I had to repent later. But you know, it's that flesh. People just, people can drive you nuts. Especially when you don't know who they are and they don't know who you are. And uh, I lose it sometimes. But anyway, we have to control ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. Now, what does that mean? Galatians, the fifth chapter, uh, Paul writes this, and and this is in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Yeah, they got that. Um, The Amplified Version of the Bible is really fascinating. If you really want to get in the weeds and you're not sure sometimes what a verse of Scripture is, look it up on, on the Amplified Bible which is really great because you can do this, uh, you, know, you know, on your phones or whatever, the Bible's everywhere now, or you can actually go buy a copy of an Amplified Bible. But what they did is they take all the different English words they can say to help communicate what the original Greek or Hebrew, or whatever the case might be, was trying to say. Because remember, it wasn't written, none of this stuff was written in English. And uh, from one language to another, all you got to do is study another language and know there's just different ways of saying things. The way you say uh, one thing one way, somebody's dinging at me, shut this up. Uh, if if uh, you're not uh, 
if you're learning a language, you'll see there's just different ways and phrases and stuff like that. The nice thing about the Amplified Bible, it, again, uses all the different English words to try and capture the meaning. So we're going to read Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 16, 17, 18, in the Amplified Bible. So Paul writes this, he says, but I say, walk and live habitually, uh, and a habit is something you keep doing over and over and over again until it just becomes a habit, but you do it continually. Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. That's what it means to live by the Spirit, all right? Uh, then, if you do this, you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. That's what we talked about, the flesh. That's that human nature. That's that physical carnal, what is another word that we use uh, to describe it. For the desires of the flesh are opposed the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, that godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. Now, if you never sense that, something's wrong with you. The truth is, if you become aware spiritually, it doesn't take long before you start to feel this struggle inside. And some people think it's a sign that this is bad. Pastor, I feel a struggle in me. What do I do? Welcome to the club. It's what you do. It is what it is. It's not that you're schizophrenic. It's just that there's, a, there's that old part of you that has been poisoned by sin, this part that will someday return to the dust. In fact, this is virtually unredeemable. It's not redeemable. It has to die. It does. It's just, it is what it is. We are so poor. We have no idea. You know, we've been turned into zombies, sin zombies, you know, that just kind of control us. You're like in the movie, the zombies don't really want to eat people's brains. They just can't help it, okay? We're like sin zombies. We yell and we get mad and we lust and we argue and all these different things. It's driven by this sinful nature. Then, of course, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit starts to convict you. Oh, I shouldn't be that way, but then sometimes I am that way, and then sometimes I'm not, and oh, what do I do? Well, again, this is normal. That's that struggle that goes on within us. What he's trying to teach us is if you will be habitually intentional to walk and feed that spiritual part of you, the physical part of you will be at a great disadvantage, and you will tend to triumph over that part of you. And as you grow in your spiritual life, you'll start to notice and realize, wow, I'm not reacting the same way anymore. I used to cuss like crazy when something like that would happen to me, and that just happened, and I didn't cuss. You know, what's happening to me? You start to realize, as long as you start feeding this part of you, that you start to overcome. On the other side, we need to be aware that when we are acting very badly, and most of us have a pretty good clue of when that is, usually not at the moment, but a little bit afterwards, we start seeing ourselves, why am I acting so badly? It's because you are not feeding and building that spiritual part of you. And if you don't, then your flesh will rise and it will have an advantage over your spiritual life. And it's very clear, if you're, and there's times, I must confess, uh, in my life where all of a sudden I have a natural, carnal, sinful reaction to a majority of encounters in my life. And that's when I have to stop and say, what, what's going on? Well, Mark, when was the last time you really 
spent some time in prayer. When was the last time that you really read the scriptures? When was the last time you've, you know, all these kind of disciplines that we're gonna be talking about. And I'll have to admit, yeah, gee, it's not doing it as much as I should. And, and that's when you start to realize that we need to feed that spiritual side of us, okay? But here's the point of all this. God's not gonna do it for you. He won't do it for you. Oh, Lord, make it so that I never wanna punch somebody in the face. No, you need to work on that, okay? How do you work on that? By feeding that spiritual part of you, all right? If you're always angry, you're living over here. If you're always critical, you're living over here. If you're always fearful, you're living over here, you can cry out to him, oh, God, please help me not to be this way. But he's not gonna change that. You have to change it. It's called the spiritual disciplines. It's being a disciple of Christ, where you exercise and you put into work these disciplines, which we will discuss, to where you start living here, okay? The bad news is you're never quite rid of this guy. <laughs> He's always there, <laughs> lurking, but you gotta kinda slap him down, because it is what it is. Uh, Paul knew about the struggle. He wrote about the struggle all the time. You know, these guys, if you read Paul's writing, when he was getting close to his death, he was looking forward to it. He was. Why? Because at some point, this really gets old. This really gets tiresome. The good news is at some point, we get free of this. Now stop and think. The joy you would have, the peace you would have, the kindness, pop it out of your eyeballs. If you didn't have to deal with this, if this wasn't getting in the way, because most of us know what to do, and we know how to do it, we just don't do it because we have let the struggle go on and we're weak in the spirit and it'll always pull us to the flesh. That's the drag of it. Uh, you can't just not do anything. You're always going forward or backward. It's just that simple. If you're not actively, intentionally going forward in the spirit, moving to the spiritual side, you will drift. There, there is no, no room in the middle. <laughs> Joe wrote a song many years ago called There's No Room in the... You, you, it, you won't sit in the middle. There is no middle. It's like Yoda. You either do or don't do. There is no drive. Okay? So you have to do it. You have to do the... Why am I quoting Yoda? I'm losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm not living in the spirit. It's not this... That was the flesh popping up again. <laughs> Sometimes it happens right in the sermon. Good Lord. All right. <laughs> now, that's... And Romans, the uh, eighth chapter... Paul talks about this. Actually, if you read Romans, the seventh chapter, you will see he describes in detail this struggle. This is just, he says, man, I want to do the right thing, but I can't, and I don't want to do the wrong thing, and I do it anyway. And, and again, it's real easy to find yourself in that place. And he's basically teaching us how do you break out of that. If you don't break out of that, at some point, uh, you'll always be defeated. And you'll think, well, gee, if I just have more strength, I'll be a better Christian. Well, there's an element of that, but it's really not about your physical strength because your physical part isn't your friend. It's the spiritual part. You need the spiritual strength to overcome this, not physical will. Physical, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to punch anybody in the face today. I'm not going to punch anybody in the face today. You know, you can't do it in the physical. <laughs> it's like there was a time in my life, and I'm not terribly different than then, but uh, now, but... Uh, where I just referred to everyone as an idiot because they drove me crazy. Everything, everybody was idiots. And I said, okay, I gotta quit calling people idiots. So today, I'm not gonna call anybody an idiot. This is my goal today. I am determined in my flesh 
I shall be idiot free in my speech. And then of course I get into a counseling session with someone who clearly was an idiot beyond description. I could tell you the story, but you would laugh hysterically and maybe you, some of you know him and I don't want you to recognize him. But anyway, this, this, and finally I couldn't take it anymore. I said, you're an idiot for heaven's sakes. And I'm, you know, barking at the poor guy as he's listening. So I had to repent later because I didn't pull that off. Why was I not able to do it? Because you can't just do it in the flesh. The way to counter that is to be more like Christ, Mark, to pray more, to be more spiritually minded, to think more spiritual thoughts. Then you don't have to worry about in the physical trying uh, to do things. Um, on the one hand, it would seem to make sense, but uh, without the spirit, you can't do it. Let's read about it. Romans 8th chapter. After talking about this incredible struggle, Paul writes this, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you live without Christ, you'll always be under condemnation because you'll always fail. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives us life sets you free from the law of sin and death. That's what he's describing. Either you're going to have the law of sin and death control you, or you're going to have the law of the Spirit of life in Christ dominate you. For what the law, that Old Testament law, was powerless to do because it was weakened by what? The flesh, what I had to control, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he also condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of that law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh, how do you know, pastor? How do you know if you're living according to the flesh? This is how. You will have your mind set on what that flesh desires. Much of our struggle has to do with stinking thinking. We tend to think bad things if you're not careful. If you just sit back, you will easily think, well, if that guy ever does that to me, I'm going to punch him in the face. I think, well, I got frazzled, and I've just about had it with this guy. You'll rehearse this craziness in your head. And they say, oh, I shouldn't do that. But then you keep rehearsing it. You know what's going to happen when you get tray faced with it? You're going to do it. Okay? I really shouldn't do that thing. I really shouldn't. Boy, that would be really nice. But I'm not going to do that. Well, at some point, you're going to give in to it because you can't just overcome it in your natural flesh. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Where was I? Okay, those who live uh, according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And we're going to be talking about that discipline, how to do that. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. This incredible struggle. It's not about uh, human power over your circumstances, but we do have to get intentional, and it does take some power to do these disciplines. It's a little confusing sometimes. I love this one. This is in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Paul writes this in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a human race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, that is not to mean that only one person is going to be saved in the end. Okay? What he's saying is you should run like only one person in the end is going to be saved. Okay? Now, we're saved by grace, but at the other time, there's these disciplines, you do it intentionally. If you are running, and if you've ever run races, it can be rather brutal. If you're trying to win, it'll take everything you got, man. You push and push and push and push. But now we live in a world where everybody wins, right? There is no cut. If you go to a race where everybody's a winner, everybody gets a trophy. Let me ask you, if we're going to have a race where, you ha where everybody gets a trophy, are you going to work hard to get in shape for that race? Of course not. Are you going to run hard? 
man, I'm, I'm going to ride a bicycle, you know? I'm just going to cruise. I'm not going to hardly do anything. Why? Because we all get the trophy. Everybody wins. And of course, that's what they're trying to do in our schools today, you know? Try to avoid any kind of games where someone's a loser. Well, sadly, in life, somebody is eventually a loser. It's going to be quite a shock to them. Uh, but this isn't a race where just everybody automatically wins. You need to run in such a way to get a prize. It says everyone who competes in the games, talking about competitive games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that won't last. But we do it, do what? Strict training. Strict training? How many of us are part of strict training? When it comes to our spiritual lives, sadly, not many, and it's why many of us are not more powerful in the spiritual side of our lives. You do it on purpose. You do it intentionally. It's not by osmosis. Obviously, coming to church, hopefully we motivate you to do these things, but there are things you have to do to get to this place where you're truly living a spiritually victorious life. Um, da, 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 da. Or I keep getting lost when I walk away. They do it to get a crown, but we do it... Uh, the the training to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. It doesn't matter. Oh, bother. Oh, doesn't matter. We'll all be saved in the end anyway. Who cares? He says, I'm not running my life like that. He says, I do not fight like a boxer that's just beating the air. He's not shadow boxing. I'm serious about this. He says, no, I strike a blow to my my body, that part that fights against you. He strikes a blow to, your body, to his own body. And we're not talking 50 shades of gray here either. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> if you read that stuff, I want to say you're an idiot, but I said I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I don't know what to say. You wonder why your life's so screwed up. You wonder why the fleshly part of you is so built up and you struggle to do what's right. Oh, I don't know, reading stupid books like that might have something to do with it. Goodness gracious. It's just, ugh. Oh, it's just the love story. Really? If this is your version of love, you need help. Call Pastor Lathan, he'll counsel you. Good Lord. This is, and that's the problem with these people. They, they live, they just, if you totally give in to this, here's the irony of it. If you totally give in to this, this is never satisfied. It's never satisfied. You know what? Some of these people, the reason why they want to get into whips and chains and all kinds of version of crazy is because normal sex doesn't do it for them anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't work for them anymore. You know, I hear people all the time trying to justify why they're into porn and why they got to have this device and that ratchet and this thing and a jiggy-wiggy and this. Okay. Well, we got to spice up our sex life because sex can be boring. Really? Sex is boring. Now, I've been bored. I have been bored in school. I have been bored in church. I have been bored listening to preachers. 
I've actually been bored when I was the preacher. Now that's, that's, that's a bad sign. When you're bored with the preacher and you are the preacher, that's a very bad sign. But I have never, ever, ever been having sex thinking, I wonder what's on TV. Really? You're bored. And I tell you, they are bored. Do you know why? Because they're overstimulated. They're overstimulated. Listen, if things are not happening for you, you know what you need to do? You need to fast sex for a while. Not too many men are going to yell amen to that one. The Bible actually talks about it. The Bible actually talks about it. We're time where you disagree. Okay, we're not going to do this for a while. Why? Kind of spark things back up in you. For heaven's sakes. You think you're bored. How about you go sex for about a month and then we'll see how bored you are after that. Goodness gracious. They got to do this. We got to do that. We got to spice this up. Somebody writes me, Pastor, what do you think about window sex? I said, okay, I give. What is window sex? Well, my husband wants us to have sex in front of the window so the neighbors might see us. Seriously? There's better ways of having sex than traumatizing the neighborhood children. But these are people that got to do it in an elevator, got to do it in a bag, got to do it somewhere, got to spice it up because they're bored. That's the crazy thing about this. And if you're a psycho... What's the word out of these people? These 50 shades of gray people. Yeah, they're bored. They're bored out. Sex is a drag to them. Normal, that's nothing to them. We got to do something. Even though the normal window sex isn't enough for these people, they're going to bring out whips and chains. I don't understand it. Personally, I'm very averse to pain. Don't be beating me with nothing, man. <laughs> Good Lord. People have lost their minds. Quit feeding this all the time. You feed this all the time, it'll turn on you. If you eat nonstop, you know what will happen to you? <laughs> die early is exactly what you're going to do. You're going to die. You're always giving it every little lust, desire you have. You're going to need whips and chains to spark things up in your life. Okay, I got to tell you this one. <laughs> there was a guy in North Carolina. That's because they read this crazy stuff in these magazines and porn and stuff, trying to spice things, because they're never happy, see? They're never happy. So they're looking for something else to jazz it up. So he read somewhere that if you run an electrical current through a woman's body, this will really spice it up for her. Now, I suppose they meant like a low DC current like you can get at a chiropractor's office. You know what I'm talking about? That real low buzz? Okay? I, I guess that's something. But this guy, he's an idiot. So he snaps onto her nipples and plugs it into a wall socket and kills her dead. Now, first of all, Ow! Who snaps things onto their nipples for the love of God? Ow! It hurts to talk about it. 
trying to explain to people, I, uh, what, uh, we're just trying to spice things up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've got other stories. I will move on. I'm sorry, I'll move on. What was I talking about? Okay, so verse 7, I will strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We have to do these things. We have to do these things intentionally. I'm running out of time because I can't shut up. Titus, the second chapter, what talks about, okay, wait a minute. I got to play this video clip for you, okay? Now, some of you have seen this video clip. This thing is hilarious. It's kind of the Mark Gunger version of counseling, but, but you'll see what I'm talking about. And we'll talk about it a little bit. Play, play the clip, Nancy. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes. C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, still being a very delightful box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And... Uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that, that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house Anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. <laughs> stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that, 
self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. <laughs> I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. <laughs> it is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> How are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! <sighs> what's what's the problem, Kathy? <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the 10 words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious. That's what it's like when you come to see me. So now, now what's funny about this is there is an element of truth to it. Now clearly there are people who have issues that they can't just stop, certainly without God in their lives. Uh, Outside of knowing Christ, the Bible says we are dominated by this sin nature that I was talking about. The difference is, you don't have a choice. You're locked into that sin nature. Oh, some people are better than others at tapping it down, but at some point, it's always winning in people who do not like Christ, who do not know Christ. Before you came to Jesus, I promise you, all the things that you did, and some of you were quite horrible, <laughs> like me, and, and, but in a way, you really couldn't stop it. It was destroying your life, and it's destroying people's lives. All, all the people that you know that don't know Jesus in their life, their whole entire lives are being driven, dominated, overwhelmed, lorded by this sin nature. When we come to Christ, 
we are now set free from the dominating influence of that nature. But it's still there. And we have to make a decision. Am I going to continue to let this dominate me? Or am I going to employ spiritual disciplines in my life so that I will live by the spirit and not live by the flesh so that I can walk free? Because God has made it possible for us to, make, to, to be free. And there's Christians that struggle with things in life. I, I know, but a lot of it's because they, they just have a difficult time comprehending this concept. You don't have to do destructive things. Not if the spirit of Christ lives in you. So I know Christians who struggle. I know. I know all kinds of people who do all kinds of things. But they're just not living the experience that God wanted them to do. At some point, as insensitive as that was, you just need to stop it. Look at Titus, the second chapter, verse 11 in closing. For the grace of God, everybody loves to talk about what, Pastor, what about the grace? What about the For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The importance of that is because a lot of people think, well, when I get to heaven, well, then I'll be totally free. No, 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 no. You can walk totally, completely, totally free right now in this present age because the Spirit of God, the grace of God, teaches us to say no and to control ourselves. Now, we have a choice, unlike before Jesus. You don't even have a choice. We have a choice, and as Christians, oftentimes we choose to let this dominate us, uh, but we don't have to do that if we'll incorporate the spiritual disciplines that I'm talking about. The good news is evil does not have to triumph over in your life at all. Alcoholism does not have to triumph in your life. Anger, I can't help it, I'm German. I'm, no, I don't care. It does not have to triumph over in your life. Well, I'm impatient, I can't, I'm impatient. I've been mad because it took you 30 minutes to get to your point tonight. It's irritating me. No, you can control yourself. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, I have to yell when I get angry. No, you don't. Well, I can't help but curse at my wife. Listen, you curse at your wife. If your husband ever curses at you, call me. So help me out, put his face up on the screen on Sunday morning. <laughs> Behave yourself. Don't tell me you can't control it. You need to man up. You need to stop it. You curse at your wife, you're out of the man club. Turn in your testicles at the door on the way out. Would you just... Get to the point here, for heaven's sakes. So tired of people say, I can't. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't quit looking at porn. I can't quit masturbating. Or oh, I can't quit lying. I can't quit cheating on my wife. I can't do it. What do you mean you can't? Of course you can. But here's the thing. People think because they feel it, it means they have to do it. No. The beauty of Christianity is that we don't have to do what we feel. Because that flesh will still keep feeling really bad things. And that's what people do. They say, oh, I'm really struggling. And I pray, oh, Lord, you know, take this desire for alcohol away from me. But I still feel it. Doesn't matter what you feel. I say, I, say, I pray, oh, Lord, take away this desire to look at porn. And, and, and he doesn't take it away because he's not going to. You know the only way he can take it away? Do you know how God can take away the evil that you feel? Is to kill you. That's when you'll finally be free. The people say, oh, God, take away these feelings. Well, you're praying is, God, please drop me dead where I'm at. He's not going to get rid of those feelings. The thing is, you've got to start learning. You don't have to do what you feel. I don't care what my flesh. There's times my f flesh screams all kinds of inappropriate things. Hard to imagine. 
but it does. Do I do it? No, why? Because I know I've been free. I'm free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty I'm free at last. I do not have to do what I feel, especially when my flesh feels, when it's yelling and screaming and demanding all this sort of stuff. We get to choose. You want to pass, but I really struggle. How do I overcome? This is what Paul said. You want to overcome the flesh? Live by the Spirit. Live habitually by the Spirit. Put these disciplines in your life. Think spiritual thoughts. Because if you will live by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It will not control you. It will not dominate you. It will not suck the life out of you. It will not leave you totally discouraged and guilty all the time. You're always falling short of God's standard. If you'll just learn to live here instead of just always living here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will help us to learn that at some point we need to control ourselves. You've given us the ability to control ourselves and the ability to just, yes, stop it. Help us, Lord, to live by the Spirit. Help us to put into practice these disciplines we're going to be speaking out over the next several weeks. Because if we will look, put these disciplines into practice, we will live habitually, intentionally, by spiritual values, and it'll set us free from this warring nature that is in us that still wants to pull us back into evil, into sin, into anger, bitterness, lust, the list goes on and on and on. Thank you, Lord. You have come that we might be free. You said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free. We now can choose because of what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. Lord, I know people struggle. I know people make mistakes. I make mistakes. It doesn't mean that your grace isn't strong enough. It's just that we keep sliding back into the flesh. Help us to make the decision. Help us to realize that walking a successful Christian life is not by accident. It's done on purpose. Help us to learn what to do so we can do that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you all.